Hello and welcome back to the Lost in Possession podcast. This week, we are talking Leeds slapping Chelsea 3-0. We are talking the Battle of Saudi Arabia and we're not talking AJ. We're talking Newcastle versus Man City, a three-all thriller. And Arsenal, top of the league? Start the intro. But without further ado, we will begin with the Battle of Saudi Arabia. Who's got the victory over Joshua, as we've said? But no one was watching that. It was all about Newcastle and Man City. Uh, the battle of the all money, some might say, but we were enjoying it for the football. Jamie, two points dropped or a point gained? How, how do you feel about that result? Well, before the game started, it's two points dropped. But when you're 3-1 down, Newcastle playing probably one of the best they have been, at least this season, if not probably last season as well, it's a point gained because when you're 3-1 down, looking at 20 minutes to go, you're, you're praying for a draw, really, and we've done that. Newcastle, to be fair to them, were superb. Going down 1-0 very early on, a lot of teams would just roll over. And to be honest, we still did have them chances to go 2-0 up very early on before they got their goal. And I think De Bruyne had a chance where I think I was I was with you in the pub, Jordan, and you said it's a bit too tight of an angle. I expect De Bruyne to probably score them. It's more, I don't know if I'm just being unrealistic of him. And then Foden, everyone's moaning at Foden for not passing it to Haaland. If you watch it, there is still a player blocking that ball from going to Haaland. I don't think it's as clear-cut as the Bournemouth one. So I think people need to chill out but if he does pass it across it's an it's an open goal tapping we're two nil up it's about 10 minutes gone game over but Newcastle come back and St Maxon had his game of his life to be fair to him um he was he was superb I think Eddie Howe did the right thing of keeping his wingers wide Almiron and St Max I think they would do that anyway especially St Max but when you've got Cancelo coming into centre midfield or Carl Walker going into centre midfield, that width just helped them. Um, I think we were we were saying in the we were saying, George, like I don't get why Pep didn't just go Carl Walker, get yeah, out yeah. wide, yeah. just just mark St Maximum. But I guess that was Pep being a bit stubborn there of his own tactics. I think Carl Walker's not as suited to that role as Cancelo is is the only issue, but it's not something clear I'm going drop Carl Walker. It's more, I think in that game at halftime, you just went, right, stop. Carl Walker, get on to maximum. You've got the pace. You'll be able to keep up with him at least better than letting him be on his own. And that would be kind of what I would say in that regard. Yeah, I think that I was going to touch on that Carl Walker, so I'm glad you brought it up. I just, and I said to you at the time, you know, he got beat by St. Maximum, was out of position. And then on every every single time they, they they seemingly attacked, he just kept going CDM. Like, you're a right wing, you, you know, you're right back, right wing back, whatever you want to call it. Maybe I get what Pep's trying to do, but Cancelo's more suited to come in the middle, like that kind of Zinchenko, what he was doing. It, I, I just didn't get it. And it's like, when you get beat twice, three times, surely, even if Pep says no, surely Carl Walker's then got to go, all right, maybe I should mark St. Mac. Like, it was so obvious for everyone watching. And I it, think you can't go against what 
Pep's saying. If Pep's telling you to do something, you can't be the person to break out of that structure because what Pep says goes. That's the way it should be played. Otherwise, he will take you off. Obviously, we do now have a left back, so we actually could have made that change. So yeah, I disagree going against the sort of structure that Pep makes. You have to sort of do as the coach says. I believe in that. However, yes, I think Pep should have changed it himself, put it on St. Max, because too fair to me, he had a game of his life, but he was given a bit too much freedom for my liking. Yeah. if he, if he Ultimately, if he was man-marked, I think he would have had less of an impact, but we've seen and said it so many times, the quality he's got on his day, he really is, you know, next next level. Um, yeah, Reese, Reese, what, what was your take on the City game first and foremost? Yeah, I mean... Um, I think because it's early on in the season, I don't think City are too bothered that it was two points dropped. I do think it's definitely a point gain. Um, I think if this was towards the tail end of the season, you know, I think this would be a nightmare fixture for City. Um, but yeah, I agree with all your points, to be perfectly honest with you. But I think I think City will take the point and, you know, use that to build. You know, they've not lost yet. You know, they're still... They're still on, was it seven points? It's, you know, it's one of the grounds that make one of the most hostile atmospheres. You know they were going to be up for it. You know, and I think I think they'll learn from that city and, and make sure it doesn't happen again when they go away to teams like Leeds and, you know, maybe maybe even Spurs or, or somewhere like that. Yeah, I do want to say sort of like there was the sort of, they brought up quite a few stats, Sky Sports, which slightly worried me because they all looked too good to be sort of for that day. So I think it was our record against Newcastle or something like in the last 24 games with 120, drawn three, one, one, something along them lines. Then it was games lost when scored first. We hadn't lost in the last like 25 games. It was things like that. And I was just like, I don't want to keep seeing these stats because that means they're all going to be broken in one one outcome. And it nearly nearly did when we go 3-1 down. I think, I think we've got to mention Trippier's free kick. When when he put it down, I did say, I don't know if you did hear me, I was just like, I don't like Trippier over the ball here. Yeah. Just yeah, from my point of view, <laughs> from my point of view, I just didn't like it. And so we we sort of had this discussion in the pub was he got beaten, Edison got beaten on his his side of the wall. I still don't think Edison could have saved it. That's how good of a free kick it was. But you sort of were saying it's still his side. So should he have saved it is what I'm going to ask both of you. For me, for me, as I said to you at the time, you, you, you'd you say on every free kick from any position, any angle, a keeper should absolutely never be beat at, at the post he is when he's a metre away from the post albeit this free kick was sensational. Um, but I think a keeper, although it was unreal free kick, I think a keeper should always be disappointed if they're beaten at their near side on a free kick. If they beat the wall top bins, you hold your hands up. But as a keeper, I think you personally want to be getting a hand or, or, or you know, doing, doing a little bit better. But it was unreal. Reese. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just one of those... One of those free kicks. It's easy to say, yeah, he could have saved it, but sometimes it just takes that little curl, that little bit of speed that just catches you off guard. You know, and I think that's just just how it happens at the end of the day. You know, Trippier would probably do that another 10 times and miss all 10. You know, it's just, just one of those things. Well, yeah, people are bringing him in for his fantasy now that he scored that goal. 
<laughs> and he's probably going to take the next five free kicks and he's going to blaze them all over the bar. Absolutely. But <laughs> I'm not one bringing him in just yet, but it's <laughs> kind of with that, if he was caught, if Edison's caught off guard, I think it's an issue where it's the keeper's thought, fault. I don't think he was caught off guard. I think it was that good of a free kick. And it's also with that sort of his side, every keeper is still moving to the other side, just expecting that ball to go over the wall. So you are shuffling across, which obviously puts him not as close to the posts for that side as he'd like. Um, Yeah, but I think that's probably enough of talking about the City game and we're talking about keepers. Jordan, do you want to pipe up about your keeper? Because getting slapped 3-0 was one thing. But how you how that first goal happened, you cannot be happy with it. It's absolutely. I will defend Chelsea players as much as they need to be defended. Um, but that there's no defending what Mendy did. There's absolutely no defending it. For me, it, it, you know, he he's a sensational keeper. Let's not get carried away with Twitter and you know, oh, he's suddenly a bad keeper. He he's a very good goalkeeper. He's clearly not a footballer because he can't <laughs> kick the ball or control it or, or do the skill that you see some of these keepers doing. Um, for me, it, it's a bigger issue because he did it against West Ham last season where he controlled the ball. He's got probably a two-second window to just put it out for a throw-in or corner. Fine, we, you know, we take that. We, you know, it happens. swear at the players, yeah. it happens. Like, But again, at it, it Leeds, he's got he's bad touch. Fine, not an issue one, two, three, probably three seconds where he can kick it out for first of throw, second later, maybe a corner. And then instead, and to fair, to fair play to Aronson, like, where's he going to turn? Like, it's so <laughs> obvious where a keeper's going to go at that point to nick the ball off them. So there's no excuse for me. It wasn't even a bad pass back to Mendy. Um, and Mendy needs to learn, like, go, go do some training sessions of, of kicking the ball, like, or just being quicker. It's not hard. It's very simple and it's an easy fix. And, and, and Jamie, I said to you at the time, but when the, the one thing, when you're away at a tough ground team, a hardworking team like Leeds with passionate and, and loud fans, the one thing you cannot do in a big game is give them something. No. And, and that's even in tackles and, and getting the crowd, but giving them a goal when, to be fair, they didn't start that badly. You know, the game is pretty even um, before the goal. So they were in I the game. So I think the, we were saying the first 10, 15 minutes was probably Leeds were better. Then you started growing into it and then yeah. they scored. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it, it was almost as soon as we were getting back into the game, you then go and give them the goal. And we've all heard the stats, but suddenly when that goal goes in, the decibels levels in the stadium raise, the crowd are on your back even more behind Leeds. Leeds are suddenly running in 10 kilometres more or whatever it was. And you know, you know at that point you're pretty much screwed. Yes, we shouldn't lose 3-0. You know, the second goal, I, I have no issue with. Great great free kick, great goal. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't do that away. And I said to you at the time, and I was right, at 1-0, the game was done. Um, so it is what it is. Um, I, I, I actually don't agree. I always defend Tuchel. I don't fully agree with his post-match comments that we were the better team. I, I think that's unfair. Um, Leeds wanted it more. They worked harder. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Leeds wanted it more, worked harder, and ultimately, we, yes, we gave them a handout, but they were still very good after that. 
Um, so credit to Leeds and yeah, suddenly Saturday, Saturday at home to Leicester now becomes a must win game for us, um, which is not ideal, but we'll see how it plays out. See, I was slightly surprised when you said you said that one nil when that goal went in, you went the game's over. That's I feel like that's a big, big problem because you shouldn't be accepting one nil games over. I do feel like you were right, obviously, but I feel like the manner of the whole three nil, I didn't really see you getting back into the game. And that was the that's the problem and the issue I would have. If you, if I was a Chelsea fan, what was the plan B? What was the, what was what was going to get you into the game? It looked like it had to be sort of like a piece of magic out of nowhere that was going to get you into the game. And then, I, like Leeds were fantastic, by the way, but Chelsea shouldn't be able to just sort of collapse and be yeah collapse when they go down to one stupid goal. It's yeah. not as if Lee played them off the park for one, two, three, and then you're like, what has gone on? It was mistake. Okay, it's happened. Be annoyed. Carry on. But yeah. you never recovered. You, I don't really think you did much after. I think you looked more like scoring before that at, for the first sort of like 30 minutes. Well, I'd say the 15 to 30 minute mark. You look more scoring in them 15 minutes than the rest of the game. I don't really remember the keeper making a great save. No, and you're right, you're right. It is like, it is an issue that I don't feel at 1-0 down we can come back. And and I don't, you know, the only reason I say that is because we're away from home at a tough away ground, by the way. Like, if you do that at home to go 1-0 down, I, I don't think it's an issue and I believe we can come back. But in that scenario, and, and when you combine that with, I think we then conceded from the free kick, during that kind of five-minute rattled period. Um, and sometimes games are, are defined in those moments where you can see the goal, you're a little bit rattled for five minutes where the crowd are behind them. If you if you can see that out, if you can sit that out and survive, you'll get back in the game. In this case, we didn't, and we were 2-0 down, you know. And, but is and- that because you don't... Do you not believe in your attackers to score enough goals? Or is it purely just because of... You think the crowd's going to be up for it and that's the momentum's going to just carry them. Oh, yeah. so, I do see a bit of a lack of, like, Mount Mount does get a fair amount of goals, but I was saying to you, I don't see all three of them getting 15 goals, and that's kind of what you need at the moment. I see them getting possibly all three 10, but 15 is the one that gets you back in the game like that, possibly. Yeah. Whereas you saw City come back from two goals down, you've given up, like, at one. Kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah. I, I think that... And I wanted to make that point on City as well, that, again, that's a game. And I've never seen... I've not for a long time seen City outplayed in the way Newcastle did. And that's a big credit to them. But that's a game... The way Newcastle played, that's a game that 99% of other teams in the league would lose. And the difference with City is somehow they ride the momentum, yes, they concede, and they still get back in the game. And that's where we're lacking at the minute. That's why we're going to push for the top three, top four, not the title this season. And, and this, this for me, was just another wake-up call that, yeah, we're not in the title race, but we're, we're still in the mix, top three, top four. Um, I do agree with you. It is a bit of an issue, but it's been an issue for three, four years. We, we tried to solve it with Lukaku. It didn't work out. Um, we tried Haaland, and obviously it was a year before. The money didn't make sense, which I get. Um, 
But look, you know, we do need more goals for consistency in the league. But I'm not going to completely lose my shit over it because, like, this team won the Champions League two years ago with no clear striker. Like, City have won, have won what you know all these domestic trophies without a main striker. So I'm not going to completely lose my head this this early on. Um, just one final issue on the game. I do think we were a little bit panicked and a little bit all over the place. And and obviously the the injuries. I'm not going to. This isn't an excuse, by the way, at all. But the injuries to Kante and Kovacic didn't help. Like Gallagher's more attacking. He had to play the CM role. Loftus Cheek is kind of finding his feet at, at right wing back. And then by doing that, you've got Reese James, who is, in my opinion, the best attacking wing back in the world at the minute. You know him and Trent. Um, he 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 got so many goals last season when he was injured. So like, if you're good, if you've got a wing back that good at attacking, please play him on the right wing. Don't play him as a right centre back. Like his talents are completely wasted there. Um, so yeah, ultimately, I think that's what cost us. Um, but we go again on Saturday. Reese, I think you've frozen on my screen, but over to you. Yeah, I know. They say it's lonely at the top. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's good start. You know, I mean, if someone, I think, looking at those three games, should they win all three? Yes. Um, you know, have they done it in a much more convincing style than many people thought? Yes. Um, you know, are they playing very well? Yes, they are. You know, they're looking very, very good at the moment. It's, you know, they've got Fulham at the weekend, which I think will be their toughest test yet at the moment. And it'll be interesting to see how they come through that. But it's good to see a different attitude at Arsenal at the moment with the players and the, and the way the system is. You know, Arteta's clearly addressed the issues that have been needed and he's done that over time and bringing in the right players. Um, yeah, it's, it's been great. You know, you, as an Arsenal fan, you can't complain about how the start's been. I well, think especially as you were bottom. Well, exactly. Reverse, complete reverse of this time last year. You know, we've we've won our first three games for the first time since 2004. You know, that's a long time when you think about it. You you would think that Arsenal would have won their first three games a few more times since then, but they've had a lot of first first game of the season defeats along the way. But I think I think one of the big things that used to irk a lot of Arsenal fans was the slow start they'd get off to every year. You know if they wanted to be in the title race, they're already six points off the top, you know, by the time the third, fourth game had come around. Now they're at the top. They're now setting that standard. And, and that's a massive mentality change. And I did think that the loss, sort of the losing the fourth spot last year would be a blessing in disguise because it gives you something to learn from, gives you something to build on, you know, and I think that's what they're doing. And, but I think, you know, let's, let's not get too excited. It's, it's three games. You know, what's important is you're winning the games you should be winning. It's how they play against, you know, Leeds away, uh, Newcastle away. It's how they're going to play against City at home, City away next year. You know, if they can compete with them, they can, you know, they will be in the mix. Yeah, I no, think that's I... a Sorry, uh, I was just going to say, I think that's a good point on, on not getting carried away. Um, obviously, you're probably one of the more reasonable Arsenal fans uh, in existence, but... You look ahead for your next two fixtures and you've got Fulham at home on Saturday evening. And then you've got Aston Villa at home. So it, it, it's, I don't want to jinx it for you, but it seems very possible that you could be looking at five out of five wins, top of the league, 
and maybe like seven points ahead of Liverpool or something crazy. Where is the limit for Arsenal this season? Is it genuinely a league push or is this just a kind of top three to six battle? How do you see it playing out? Well, I'll always believe that like you're always in a title race until it's mathematically impossible. You know, even if you're 16 points off in February, it's still mathematically possible. Um, but it's just keeping grounded. It's it's too easy to be so demanding and, you know, go, oh, you know, it has, well, we'll we're doing better than fourth now. We have to be in the, you know, because if, if we lose a couple of games now, we then slip to Thorpe and then people are going to be like, this is a joke, it's outrageous. You know, they're going to start moaning. It's like, well, you wanted fourth originally. So, you know, come on. You know, you got got to realise where this team is. And I still think I still think it's not a failure if they don't fall, if they stay, if they finish sixth because of the quality in the league at this, this time. Um, but I think if they're going to push for the top four, you know, They've got to really go for it and got to make sure they do get it. But I think I would like to see a little bit more competitiveness in the FA Cup and the Europa League. Personally, last year wasn't very good. Season before that, they weren't very good in the FA Cup either. Um, Europa League got to the semi-final before being dumped out by Villarreal. I think I think they need to show a bit more promise in there as well, um, and not worry so much about the league. Personally. Yeah, I, on that note, I was just going to say, like, I, you know, I was, I, a lot of my pre-season kind of opinions on Arsenal were obviously, you know, just pre-season, they're getting carried away. I have to credit Arsenal for, for their start. They have looked a level above probably the last decade. They seem to have momentum, good signings that fit the squad. Everything seems to be on their side at the minute. But, you know, we, we remember that episode we did last season on the podcast about, Arsenal being a momentum-based team. And, and the way I see this playing out is you probably will win the next two games and everyone will get seriously carried away that you'll be top of the league, five out of five. For me, I think the problems will come when you start getting a midweek Carabao, a midweek Europa League. Um, you're playing Thursday, Sunday with a few other midweek games chucked in there. Then you get an upset loss, you know, away to a, I don't know, um, you know, a lower league team, let's say, or, you know, let's say you go away to Forest or something like that, where you've lost last season. And suddenly the whole momentum again, as we said before, because of the youth, the momentum then flips where you don't then win for three or four games. And and that that's personally how I see it playing out. Um, Jamie, do you, what kind of side of the fence do you sit on with them at the minute? So I do feel like they've obviously had a good run of fixtures and they're going to until sort of the next two. Then they play United away. Now, United have obviously had their game against Liverpool. Are they going to be up for Arsenal as much? Maybe, maybe not. We don't we don't know yet. We've got they've got to see it. But I do feel like the squads could be the problem for Arsenal with you know Europa League coming up and as you say, Carabao Cup. But with that momentum kind of thing, I don't know how many game weeks it is, but we've also got to remember we finish a bit earlier, don't we, for for the World Cup. So that could really just stop their momentum in their tracks. Like obviously this is I think it's still like another we've still got another 10, 12 game weeks. But if you are playing games quickly, it could help Arsenal if they are going to be the momentum team you're saying. But it could also switch around so easily, if not 
But if they're going to have to stop playing games with Inketia up top instead of Jesus, it's going to be noticeable. It, it just is compared to them. Obviously, in the midfield, I think they're probably one or two short to have like a proper serious title challenge. I still feel like the sides of City, Liverpool, despite Liverpool's bad start, I still feel like them two are better than better than Arsenal. Chelsea, from what I've seen of this season, they've played terribly and won, played brilliant and drew, and then played terribly and lost. I, I don't know what's going to come out of Chelsea. That might be their problem. They're a bit unpredictable. Spurs, grinding out results, but still not playing that well. So I think Arsenal, and then United, obviously absolutely dreadful, then played well against Liverpool. I feel like they've got to see this as an opportunity, but they need to need to continue the form. So I feel like if they get the five out of five and then don't lose at United, they go into a very difficult October, but at least they've got points on the board. Um, that October, just, just, just quickly to reel off those. So 1st of October, Arsenal-Tottenham. 9th of October, Arsenal-Liverpool. 16th, Leeds away. Arsenal-Man City, Southampton away. So that, that already, looking ahead, you need to get as many points on the board as you can, as much form before October, because that, based on kind of what I just said, I think could be where you start to see that kind of old school, <laughs> the Arsenal cycle will, will, will begin again, in my opinion. And that's before you've added in any cup games. I don't know when, when Europa League starts, but I feel like it could be within that. So you could have a midweek game in between one of them. So yeah, it could I be think you're right. You play, you play Liverpool, then you've got Leeds away, but you've also got someone in Europa in between. And it's sort of them games will then start stacking up. And that's where an injury here or there may just disrupt Arsenal. But like Reece said, you can't complain at the moment because they've looked fantastic. Like, obviously, you you do a nice triple up to sunny Bournemouth or down to sunny Bournemouth, sorry. You're going to be, you know, on the drinks all day. So the Arsenal fans are in full voice. But are they going to be like do, do yeah. <laughs> Heard that yeah. for a good 10 minutes straight. Um... The tequila song for Saliba. <laughs> and then he scored an absolute banger and all, by the way. <laughs> I actually got so excited then because I thought it was Gabriel. So he's in my fantasy team. So I was like, oh, he scored a quality goal. I'm going to get bonus points, goal, clean sheet. And then I saw it at Saliba and I was just like, oh, great. <laughs> but that was a terrific goal. Um, I think they are gelling at the moment, but teams, like, teams aren't going to win every game. <laughs> City, Liverpool don't do it. Arsenal certainly won't do it. It's just how they react after it and whether these midweek games are going to be disruptive for them. Because Reese wanted sort of you to do well in the Cups, but is that going to stop you in the league? Would you rather just go, all right, try and... Well, Europa, your league, like your group stage, should be all right. You can rest players and you should still go through. Not always happening, Spurs being the case last season, but... It's you've got to keep. I think they've got to keep, like like you say, John. The momentum I think will be a bit of a an issue when you've got to rotate players in and out. And can Arsenal actually bounce back when they go behind in some games? So I think you mentioned it last season. They 
very poor when they go down, well, one nil down. That's something we've not seen this season, obviously, because they've had a very good start. But let's yeah. say they go one nil down to Fulham, are they going to react? Yeah, it's a good point. I think I think that's going to be the big thing. Like if, if they had to go one nil down to Fulham and not get a result out of that, even a point, I think I think you'd have to say, well, what what have they been working on then? You know that these are the big things that people they should have been working on because they were already beating the Leicesters last year. You know, and if you go and fall into that, it's going to fall into that same danger. And um, just just going back to your point about the whole focus on the cup things. The only reason I emphasise that sometimes is because the reason it got so toxic a few years ago is because it was only ever focusing on a fourth place finish. It was like the cups were just an inconvenience. And that was that's what caused the toxic atmosphere in the first place. So you can't just keep going back to that, you know. Yeah. Otherwise you could be in danger of repeating that cycle. Um but yeah I think I think you get a result against Fulham, you know, if they keep maximum points after Saturday. You know, and even if City were to lose a couple of points again, you know, it already starts forming quite a big gap. They want to keep that momentum going, um, as you both said, and make sure that even when it comes to the October fixtures, even if they've got a five-point cushion, that's a good cushion to have. Yeah, agreed. And, and just, I guess, finally, to wrap us up, the big game of the week just gone was obviously Man United versus Liverpool. Um, you know, I said on the podcast last week, this was probably one of the biggest games for Man United in terms of a chance to change the narrative in probably five or ten years. Maybe it wasn't ten hard. Maybe they were listening to the podcast because they turned up like it was the biggest game in five years. Run more, press more, and genuinely a, a phenomenal result for them. And it looks like my prediction looking at social media was kind of right. Suddenly the narratives are ten hogs great. They're believing again. And now it's all about Klopp's excuses and Liverpool. So where obviously they've got Southampton away at the weekend, another tough game. How do you guys just quickly, how do you guys see United season progressing from this point onwards? These games don't matter where you can get up for Liverpool at home. They should be up for Liverpool at home. It's one of their biggest games of the season. It's whether they can continue it. If they don't continue it, it's an absolute pointless. It's paving light, absolutely nothing over the crack really that's going on I still think there's problems at United it's not changed people are going to just get excited over it over one game but that's the way people are in terms of Liverpool I think they're very happy I think they should be happy they've got Bournemouth at home on the weekend because another tough game it could really start to hurt their season but I still feel like they're going to bounce back they've got a few injuries but they need to be performing better um, but yeah, needs to both need to react still. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think I think Liverpool game comes to nothing if they don't get a result on Saturday or, or Sunday whenever they're playing. Um, I believe they're playing Southampton. Yep, Southampton. Yeah, Southampton away. Early so kickoff. If you know Southampton have seen turned it around on Saturday, if they don't, you know, a point would be okay for United because it keeps that momentum. You know, they've not lost. Um, but if they lose. What was that effort into Liverpool for? You know, it, and then that that way you're going out to three losses, one win. You know that that's not good enough. So keep up the momentum. Don't be disappointed if it's a draw because Southampton have done quite well lately. But just yeah, that's what they need to make sure. Jamie's absolutely right. It means nothing if they don't build on that momentum. Well, there you go. That wraps us up nicely. As always, hit that subscribe button. 
turn the bell notifications on for regular football content. Will Arsenal win the league? Will Man United truly kickstart the Ten Hag revolution? As always, like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill. Oh, 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 oh,